Welcome to Lillipod episode 96, Pickle Juice. Jeff and Kathy Teichert, bringing you another episode of Lillipod, a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches, authors of the Amazon bestseller Intentional Courtship, and members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. Hello, Lilypod listeners, and welcome to another episode of Lilypod. Now, the episode is titled Pickle Juice, and I'm sure you're wondering what the heck we mean by that. Right. And, you know, one of our favorite apostles, one of everybody's favorite apostles, I think, is Elder Holland. Uh, and he gave a sermon about 10 years ago in the April 2012 conference where uh, he referred to pickle juice and is referred to by some affectionately as his pickle juice sermon. And it's actually the laborers in the vineyard. But the pickle juice moment was so memorable and so poignant for me because I remember listening to it live and it really always stuck with me. And I think it kind of culminated his entire talk and his entire point about the parable of the laborers in the vineyard and how some had received a certain promise of a certain payment and they were happy to do the work and they were happy to receive that payment. But then they started comparing to the other people and finding out that they didn't get the same wage for the same work. And he addressed how to proceed when this happens in life. Right. And what he said in, in the gist of it was, why would you want to ruin your joy, something you were happy to do, something you committed to do for a certain payment, and, and instead of being grateful for that, start comparing and have it steal your joy. In, and, and when we say comparing, we mean not only comparing, but then going that extra step further and making judgments about it. Right. Do we want to um, read a portion of the... Yes. Let's, let's hop into the portion of the talk that is meaningful um, and leads up to that pickle juice moment so we can really kind of dive in and discuss it further. Brothers and sisters... There are going to be times in our lives when someone else gets an unexpected blessing or receives some special recognition. May I plead with us not to be hurt and certainly not to feel envious when good fortune comes to another person. We are not diminished when someone else is added upon. We are not in a race against each other to see who is the wealthiest or the most talented or the most beautiful, or even the most blessed. The race we are really in is the race against sin, and surely envy is one of the most universal of those. Furthermore, envy is a mistake that just keeps on giving. 
Obviously, we suffer a little when misfortune befalls us. But envy requires us to suffer all good fortune that befalls everyone we know. What a bright prospect that is, downing another quart of pickle juice every time anyone around you has a happy moment. <laughs> and you know, sometimes, Kathy, I think it's not necessarily everyone around us or anyone around us. Uh, sometimes I think we're uniquely vulnerable as mid-singles to what good fortune our former spouse may experience. And I've heard this expressed many times. I've heard uh, men or women say, you know, why, why is my ex-spouse getting married? Uh, I'm the one who got cheated on. I should be moving on and being happy in my life. You know, why do they get blessed with a new marriage when they were the one who was at fault. Or for our later married couples, maybe you've had some fertility uh, issues and your friends are getting pregnant or they've had lots of babies while you were busy being single and trying to find a companion. And, um, and it's hard to watch, maybe, perhaps. Right. Maybe. Uh, it really all depends on our thought processes. And of course, as life coaches, we're going to go there. <laughs> we just are because we are really big believers in managing our minds and questioning our thoughts and, and asking whether they're serving us. And any thoughts or judgments we place on these situations that make us miserable are probably not going to serve us. Now, right. I want to go back actually to the fact that this came out in 2012. That is when I got divorced for the first time. Right. That is when I found out my first husband was getting remarried. And only a few years after that, I found out he was having more babies. And before we got divorced, I had said I wanted more. He said he didn't. He's had more. I haven't. Right. So how does it seem unfair? It was, it was, I'll admit part of it was hard. Um, part of it wasn't. And I think it's all because of the, it, I think it depends on how meaningful and important a blessing is to us. We haven't received. Right. And I think it depends on how we compare and how we judge. And I think most of the time I was pretty good about being happy for people who got married, being happy for people who had babies and not holding that over my own head. Right. But I had moments where I certainly felt the injustice. I certainly felt the unfairness and the irony really that I strongly wanted more. He strongly didn't. And it worked out the opposite. Right. So what can an individual person uh, who's been divorced or perhaps has broken up from a significant relationship do so that they're not constantly feeling in competition with their former uh, partner? Do you have any, any thoughts on that, Kathy? Well, I think the more we focus on intentionally, and it comes back to intentional, as you know, we wrote intentional courtship, and we really believe in its power to change lives, because when we're intentional about healing from loss, and building 
our connections and our relationships and building that love in later years. Um, maybe we're in our younger years or we think, you know, I'm not later, like as in latest, but like sometimes this effort is for later. Sometimes it's for now. Sometimes it's for everything in between, right? Right. Because when we develop new relationships, we're starting from scratch. We never know where they're going to go when they first start, um, or we rarely do. I guess sometimes by personal revelation we might. But I think for the most part, just giving plenty of attention to intentionally building healing and rebuilding our lives will, I think, keep us on track to experience our own joy and our own blessings. Right. You know, Kathy, it strikes me, <laughs> you, you remember this a couple of weeks ago, we were out getting a hamburger together and there was a couple at another table in the restaurant that uh, was obviously on a date. I mean, they were doing all the date sort of things, holding hands across the table kind of nervously and you, you know, you learn to pick up on that energy after a few years in the mid-singles community. And, and uh, uh, for the benefit of our audience, as Kathy's walking by uh, this couple, she hears the woman say to the man, now, I know everyone says this, but he really was a narcissist. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. I think sometimes we think... We, we've constructed a story about our former spouse to make put the white hat on ourselves and the black hat on our former partner and make them the the evil outlaw and and us the you know the heroic person or the martyr or whatever you want to look at it and i think that sometimes when good things happen to our former partners or they seem like they're happy it can be a threat to our story about that other person that we look at it as, oh, well, maybe if they're married and they're happy and they weren't happy with me, it'll look to other people and even to me like it must have been my fault. And obviously, we don't have to see life that way. Kathy and I both know that we made mistakes that contributed to the demise of our first marriages. And we're wiser now about those things. That doesn't mean we think that the divorce was all our fault, but we do have uh, a sense of ownership over, okay, how, how can we show up better in our current marriage so that we don't go down that same road next time? And, and we do show up differently. I mean, I'm a much different kind of husband to Kathy than I was uh, to, my, to my former wife. So Well, and the only way we can do that is when we're self-aware and making those positive changes in ourselves to show up differently right. and better in future relationships. We don't recommend necessarily focusing on that when you're in the height of sorrow, when you have just broken up with someone or you've just... Yeah, if the wound is the really divorce, fresh, take your time to do more self-care at yeah. first. Maybe even tell your stories of how you were married to a narcissist or whatever. Like if you if that's sure. what feels correct for you. Just don't stay there forever. Right. Pitch a tent, don't build a house. Yeah. In that space. Eventually we want to move into seeing what is 
wrong in ourselves so that we can change it. Because because like the serenity prayer says, have the courage to change the things we can. And those are the things we can, right? Right. So it's funny that you would bring up that story and that that happened shortly after we brought out Lily Letter 77, which was titled Lurking in Darkness. And if any of you want to access that, it's at loveinlateryears.com on our Lily Letter page. We have all our Lily Letters there. Anyway, there's just this paragraph that says, how many times have you heard the phrase, my ex is a gaslighting narcissist? If you've been in the dating world very long, most have heard this numerous times. On the other hand, how many times have you heard, I am a gaslighter and a narcissist? <laughs> we would dare say never. Why? Because such a thing is not something any of us like to see in or share about ourselves. This is just one of many examples in which we see the sins and flaws in others while being in the dark regarding our own misperceptions and distorted thinking. And it's so funny because I think we had just written that and I rounded the corner and I heard that. I was like, oh, well, I was like a fly on the wall in one of such situations. <laughs> right. And, and here's the thing. I mean, as we approach these situations where we have former spouses that are moving on with their lives and we are moving on with ours in, in whatever way we can, I think it's important particularly as the wound isn't as fresh anymore as it's you've had a little time to heal and, and so on to be open to revising your interpretation of what happened. You know, I'm not saying throw the whole thing out. And sometimes it does feel like, you know, oh, I took all this time writing this big long book and now I'm just going to burn it. To some degree, I think we do need to burn that book. We need to burn the book that tells an interpretation of our former spouse and their role in the relationship and in the divorce. Sometimes I think we do need to burn that book. We, we need to say it doesn't matter anymore who was right and who was wrong, but at least be open to revising it uh, to reflect, okay, how could I have shown up better in that relationship? Not from a shaming perspective, but just to say, how could I have shown up and you know, been a more supportive spouse or been a more positive influence in my relationship, regardless of what they did, because we don't get to control them anymore. And I don't think we need them to be miserable for us to be happy, right? If, if they move on and my, my... Quite frankly, I don't think it matters at all whether they're miserable, miserable or happy. It matters what we do in, inside ourselves. Right. And I, I've mentioned this before, but... Uh, you know, as of the recording of this podcast, we buried my son, uh, you know, less than two months ago. And when I was at the funeral, when we were, Kathy and I were at the funeral together, uh, we both participated on the program and I was seated on the stand uh, as one of the speakers. And as I walked down the stairs, to uh, at the at the conclusion of the service, uh, my former wife's husband walked up, open arms, gave me a big bear hug. We didn't say any words. We didn't have to. We both understood that we cared about my son Henry. Um, we had both played a role in his life, and you know, in point of fact, earlier that day when I ran into my former wife and her husband in the hallway, we had an extended hug 
I think it was just an acknowledgement that, hey, this was our son. And whatever we did together that was unhappy or unhealthy, we both loved this kid very much. And, you know, the, the, the issues between us, it felt like at least for those moments just sort of melted away because we both knew we were in that same space. And I think, you know, when you think about your former spouse, hopefully you don't have to lose a child to reach a moment of reconciliation uh, where you realize that, hey, whatever we've done, we both love these kids and we both want them to, to be happy, healthy, functional adults uh, as they grow up. And so I think that's important too. We need to we need to try to seek reconciliation. And, and you know what? I'm not bothered by the fact that my former wife got remarried. Um, she got remarried before I did and was in the relationship with her former husband quite a long time, or her current husband, quite a long time before Kathy and I got together. And what I want to say about that, uh, because I experienced the same thing. He got, my first husband got remarried very quickly and it took me a long, long time to right. find the right match for me. And all I have to say to those who are still waiting on the Lord is that good things come to those who wait. Right. And if you could just keep that in the back of your mind, whenever those good things happen to other people that you would like to happen for yourself, keep that in mind. And remember, your story isn't over yet. Right. And, and yeah, I, I believe, Kathy, quite honestly, uh, 100% in what you just said, your former spouse uh, or anyone else you might have envy for, somebody else that's getting pregnant, like Kathy ma mentioned, if you've been trying to do that with a new spouse or whatever. I, I mean, whoever you might be envious of, realize they had their path. You have yours. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's tempting for me to feel bummed out and say, for example, I had two kids of my, you know, of my own and one of them died. Um, all my brothers and sisters have much larger families than I had, uh, largely as a function of getting divorced. But um, I think none of them have lost a kid and they've, you know, some of them have five, six and I don't want any of them to don't don't misunderstand me, but it's it's easy to look around and see, gosh, I've been through two divorces and lost a child and lost a little brother right after I got married the first time. And why have I had all this and other people haven't? Well, that's a question that we have to ask God. And, you know, he's given me certain revelations about why I've had this much adversity in my life, but whatever it is, it's your path. And comparing it to someone else's, uh, Teddy Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. And I think he was right. And he knew that partly because a lot of his joy had been stolen at times by comparing himself to other people. And, you know, he always, people joked that he wanted to be the baby at the christening, the bride at the wedding, and the corpse at the funeral, <laughs> because he loved being at the center of attention. But uh, I think he also understood that being obsessed with that was kind of the thief of joy. 
Mm, yeah, I think that's a great one for this because when we're downing pickle juice and it's sour and it tastes icky, I mean, I don't know, maybe some people like pickle juice. I know people who actually put pickle juice on popcorn, by the way. I wouldn't do <laughs> and, that, but I do like pickle juice. <laughs> but I, obviously the point is not that. It's we don't need to ruin our good fortune, whether it's current or in the future, by obsessing over other people's good fortune in a negative way. Right. Um, in fact, I, I don't think envy is ever a really good look on us. Right. You know, and we've talked about, and I felt like it was a little bit of a side subject, but I think more that it's supportive to the path of choosing not to down pickle juice when other people have good fortune. And one of them, like we talked about quite extensively, is thought work and changing ourselves to show up better in life and, and choosing thoughts that are supportive of ourselves and others. Um, then I'd like to also talk about forgiveness and how I usually know when I've forgiven is when I wish well in my heart towards the person who I was feeling um, bad feelings towards. Right. And I think that well-wishing, if, if we can do that with our worst enemies, if we can do that with the people who've hurt us most, then I think we're going to be in generally a pretty good place to do that with everyone. Yeah. You know, and it, that again, I, I hope I don't overuse this example, but it reminds me again of another dynamic around my son's funeral where uh, my former wife's husband and I exchanged texts and, and even phone calls because there were a lot of arrangements that needed to be made, what we were going to do with his body and how we were going, you know, when we were going to arrange the service and and all of that. And at first she wasn't up to dealing with any of it. And so I had to work with her husband to, uh, to arrange things. And quite honestly, I was barely able to, uh, to work on it. I mean, I was in my own grief pretty deeply at that moment, as you can well imagine. So I was grateful that he stepped in and picked up some of the slack and was able to help with certain arrangements and uh, you know, I was I was very grateful for what he did. So and eventually, if you're in this situation where you, your ex is getting remarried and you know you're going to be dealing with that other person, sometimes it can be helpful to have that other person in the picture. Right. And and I was going to also add to that that um, I've texted back and forth with him a little bit since the funeral and just checking in. How are you guys doing? You know, how's, how's, and I'd give my former wife's name, how, how's she doing? And, you know, he, he would update me, I think pretty honestly on how they were doing. There's kind of nothing like death to bring people together that maybe might not otherwise care as much. Right. And but I actually <laughs> found myself texting back to him. I'm glad she has you. Yeah. And it, that surprised me, honestly, that I was able to say that to someone who at one time I probably was very jealous in a certain way of. And honestly, I'm not anymore. I'm settled in a great marriage that's the happiest I've ever been with a partner. It I seemed even when we were dating, though, that you were in a fairly good place. With Yeah, and even with her. I mean... And I think it is because we were both focused on living our best life. Right. And, and 
you trying to, to create in that a, direction. Yeah. Yeah. Creating happiness and all the rest. Of yeah. That. And I know a lot of you as listeners are doing that already. So, um, you know, I think when we can put ourselves like, so kind of going back to forgiveness, sometimes forgiveness isn't easy uh, or we think it's hard. Um, sometimes I think we make it harder than it needs to be. It's really letting go, which can actually be very easy when you're car carrying something heavy. Right. Right. But if it's difficult, I think one of the best ways to get in a forgiving mode is to say to yourself, we all need a savior. We've all made mistakes. We've all done stupid things that hurt each other. I know I need it. I guess they need it. Right. We're good. And, and then again, go to wishing well, because when we wish them well, we don't down the pickle juice. Right. I, I mean, I think it, this is a radical idea probably, but I think when we reach the other side of the veil, uh, we're going to be in a place where there's no more tears, no more loss, no more shame, no more hate, where, where we can look at everyone we've loved in our lives in whatever capacity, even former spouses, and feel gratitude for the goodness and the bitterness will be behind us. And I think I had a little taste of that around my son's funeral, as we discussed. And I, I hope that we don't all have to wait uh, until the next life to, to have some peace and reconciliation and to wish our former partners well. I hope we don't uh, even have to wait till next year. <laughs> right. I mean, gosh, if you could make 2020, the 2022, sorry, the rest of 2022, the year that you heal, the year that you let go, the year that you wish your former partner well, or whoever you need to forgive, you forgive. Like that's, let's do it. Let's do it now. You know, I want to say. And I guess that dates this podcast, but if you're listening, the, you know, later, it's never too late, right? Give yourself right. a couple months and make it a priority. This is a long lasting principle whenever we recorded it, but I want to say Jesus gave us some great advice, which I think is very hard to follow sometimes when we're in that situation. What am I talking about? He said, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use and persecute you. Wow. I mean, so, so how do you do that? intentionally. You, you have to look at it and say, oh, I'm. it might be really hard for me right now to pray for good things for my former spouse instead of praying that he or she will be hit by a semi or something. You know, you may, praying for, for good things for that person requires intention. And maybe it's nothing more than saying, pray that my bitterness toward this person will be healed and that I'll be able to wish him or her well. And I think there's nothing like a prayer like that that will help the spirit show up in our lives more. Right. And do it repetitively every day. Make that a point in your life to, you know, even if that person's toxic and dangerous to your physical health or whatever, uh, you, you won't necessarily invite that person to play a role in your life anymore, but it's still helpful to pray for good things for them, pray that they'll be healed of the things that are troubling them. Yeah. And I want to go one step further beyond forgiveness. What if there's nothing to forgive? What if, 
we think that we need to forgive, but we don't. For instance, Jeff just had a coaching client where she he he recommended that they see a former dating partner this way, that when we understand why a person behaves the way they do, even if it's hurtful to us, we might not be quite as annoyed or frustrated or mad about it. Right. I mean, I actually, I, it's funny, I was thinking of that story before you even brought it up, but uh, I, I was thinking about it in, in terms of a story that I told to this person as we were coaching. And I simply uh, told her that Stephen Covey used to tell this story about when, you know, suppose you're sitting by the side of a pool reading a newspaper. And in the time Stephen Covey was writing, we actually did that. Uh, we actually read a, a paper newspaper. And someone is splashing all over the place in the pool and it's getting water on your newspaper. And you get so frustrated and fed up that you slam your paper down and you look up and you see that somebody is drowning. Well, immediately, of course, your focus is going to change. You're looking for something to help them out of the water, right? And you get them out of the water and they're okay and everybody's breathing a sigh of relief. Do you have to forgive them for, for getting your newspaper wet? No. Why were they doing all of that disruptive stuff to you and causing you to get wet and your newspaper to get wet and all that? Because they were drowning. And I think you can look at your former spouse. If they were a narcissist, well, they were troubled, right? They had issues from their past or whatever. Or even physically in their bodies, if they had mental illness, which some people really struggle with. And um, I think a lot of us can relate to even. Right. I mean, I think one of the reasons Christ had to suffer all of the things we would suffer is he needed to understand that we're, we were drowning when we made the mistakes we made. So, yeah, when you're standing there at poolside uh, looking at, at that other person and knowing why they were splashing because they were drowning, they were in peril, you don't need to forgive them. You're not even mad at them anymore, right? Well, and we have, all have somewhat petty issues as humans. I think God probably like looks down at us and laughs at the things that we get upset about. Right. Right. And he sees a bigger picture. So when he, we can see as he sees, for instance, like someone's drowning, but maybe it's more, it's less, it's more metaphorical rather than actually drowning. It maybe it's, wow, this person was really challenged. This person was really struggling. Almost always there's something behind the behavior that we could probably have compassion for. Right. You know, I think sometimes we, you know, the Sunday school answers, they serve us well, but sometimes they don't. And one of those is, you know, why are we on this earth? Whoop, I got my hand up to be tried and tested. And, you know, in the book of Abraham, it says, I will prove them now herewith to see if they will do all things whatsoever I command them. But guess what? We all fail that test. <laughs> He proves us, but we don't pass. And we think, well, maybe if I do more good than bad, no. Oh, like the good place, like the point system. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it doesn't really work that way. He says we will prove them to see if we, if we will do all things that he commands. Do we? None of us do it, right? None of us get there. So what is this life about in terms of proving? Well, 
he's proving to us in a sense that we need a savior because none of us reach perfection on our own. And if we want to be like our savior, he set the perfect example of reaching out to those who are struggling, reaching out to those who are sinning (laughs) and loving those that hurt him. Right. And here's a point that really I want to drive home to mid singles. We are here in this life to some extent to suffer, not to suffer every minute. And suffering isn't the total meaning of our life. But Jesus had to suffer for the same reason, in fact, for an even larger reason. But we, need, we all are going to have some pain. And what does that pain do? Well, if we consecrate that pain to Christ and we say, I, I'm, you know, not my will, but thine be done. I'll drink this bitter cup if you want me to. We begin to understand better that most people sin because they are in pain. And that, that oftentimes it is the pain that is driving, you know, if we're, if we're in enough pain, we'll do almost anything for a little bit of relief, uh, whether that's drinking or taking drugs or, you know, go down the list. And if we truly understand that, we, we can begin to see the other person, whether that's a former spouse or somebody else, as that person splashing in the pool, not because they're wanting to disrupt and inconvenience us, but just because they're drowning. And, and if we see them that way, then, then it's easy for us to think, yeah, they didn't do anything bad. It's, it's uh, you know, I feel bad for even having entertained impatient or angry thoughts toward that person. Oh, sure. And then we can, you know, just repent of it and move on. Uh, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It can just be a recognition and awareness. And when, then we always want to be compassionate about that self-awareness. And, you know, I want to go one step further that when other people experience blessings from God, because all our blessings are from him, there's nothing to forgive in that either. Right. It's the whole point of this. They haven't is, gotten it at our expense. Or... No, no. In fact, there's not a limitation of blessings out there. If they got something we wanted that, that uh, we haven't yet, again, we can go back to the power of yet, that podcast. I know a lot of people are starting to speak LilyPod. It's so fun when we mm-hmm. work with some of our coaching clients who've listened a lot, or we see comments made in our Lily group on Facebook, and people are talk in our language, you know, and that whole power of yet. Well, just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it won't. And if we add that yet, then there's always that possibility. And, you know, obviously biological clocks tick. I'm 43. Mine's ticking. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we've had setbacks, a lot of them, (laughs) like a really lot for more than a decade ourselves. Um, it's, it's not quite too late in this life for us, but, you know, there's even after this life, it's not too late. So, I mean, it's really, and I do believe that our, our paths are custom built for us and whatever, for whatever reason, if we haven't received a blessing yet, it's just because God has a better way. And I think we've all probably experienced that awareness in our lives. And if we can keep remembering that, I think it puts everything into perspective and we can truly be happy for people who experience good things. I think when we do that, we're more likely to receive those blessings, honestly. 
Oh, for sure. And, and we can remember, I think that our purpose in life is partly to work through our own pain and issues so that we're not splashing on somebody else's newspaper. And we're not and, drinking pickle juice every time something good happens to someone else. Right. And they're, they are also, um, uh, hopefully, we, we are learning compassion toward that other person uh, who's been splashing. So I think that's an important thing. As we work through our own pain and our own issues, we learn to see people as Jesus Christ sees them and love them as he loves them. And do you ex imagine Jesus Christ looking at any of these other people, maybe people who have hurt us, thinking, yeah, to hell with you. You, you know, don't deserve this blessing. You, you don't deserve this blessing, or would he be rejoicing with them? And, I think rejoicing with people is a far better option. Right. And, um, and that is partly learning to see other people the way he sees them. And this podcast goes along with our Lily letter for this week, which is giving grace to your former spouse. And if you haven't yet, check out our LilyTube video on is your ex getting remarried? Right. Where we dive into this a little bit more specifically to that. Right. So thank you so much for listening to Pickle Juice. Thanks for taking a chance on a title that might have felt a little strange. And remember that any time is a great time for more love in your life. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to LilyPod and get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, give us a positive review. We want to reach as many mid-singles and later married couples as possible, so please share this podcast with those you love. To access fabulous free content like written articles and YouTube videos on LilyDube, and to learn about our book Intentional Courtship and Lily Coaching Services, visit loveinlateryears.com.